Good morning and welcome to Breakfast with the Beak. I am your host, Johnny Goodtimes. Joining me is my sidekick, I'm Dr. Eisenberg. He totally is. What's up, Johnny? What's up, Beakniks? I don't know. Let, let's let them answer for a change. Uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just leave a silent moment so you can answer and feel like you're included. You gonna start now? What? <laughs> moment of silence, everyone. Good okay. job. Great. <laughs> All right. Hope Perfect. you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed his asinine giggling. Johnny, are you gonna watch the Oscars tonight? Is that indeed tonight? No, apparently. Yeah, it's tonight. The Oscars are tonight. Apparently I am not. I know you're not. Because I have things to do. I have bread to bake, okay? And who helped me bake the bread? Nobody. So who will help me eat the bread? Fucking nobody. <laughs> Little Red Hen! As long as you put it out of range of my cats. Oh, yeah, no, those cats will eat bread. It's yeah, they don't ask, they will steal. No, I remember what happened to my pot roast. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I am so fucking domestic. You know what? The thing is, like, everyone knows you're not going to watch the Oscars. It's just funny when you shit on things. So, <laughs> See, ironically, in real life, cannot go if someone's watching. So, <laughs> I'm not going to watch the Oscars either, but I, I am kind of regrettably fascinated with another Oscar... Oscar Pistorius. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, like, I didn't want to be, right? Yeah, this I, is a, 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 a gross, sad murder story. Right. Sad murder story in the news. It happens all the time. Yeah. It's like, and people just talk about it nonstop, and it's humiliating to the deceased and the next yeah. of kin, etc. But here's the thing. Here is the thing. I, I'm not so big on the Oscar part, but... Pistorius, okay, already sounds like a Roman emperor with, like, a legendary past. Like a, you know, Caligula, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he starts out, no legs, he's all stumpy. He gets the big, like, Blade Runner prosthetic robo-legs. Okay. Okay, and not only, they're, but they're not just a crutch. They make him a champion runner. He's an Olympic champ, and he bounces along those things like some kind of, you know... Super future robot man, right? Okay. So then he's, you know, at the Olympics, he becomes huge. Oh my god, it's, it's, they call him Blade Runner. He's already legendary. Then, okay, then, then, he, in the middle of the night, under dubious circumstances, kills his beautiful girlfriend. He's 26, okay? Okay. So, right now, like, it just, as this is happening, he just, uh, made bail, and I don't really understand the specifics of South South African law. Okay. But, like, there's question about... Well, he's like, white, so... Right. Well, there's there's question about how it's going to go down. Like, is he... The judge is black, by the way. Oh, well. But there's question about how it's going to go down. Like, it's hard to get bail in South Africa, apparently, but, you know, it's, it's all questionable. Obviously, he killed her, but was it murder or was it an accident? They don't know. Okay, so if he gets convicted of murder and goes to South African jail for the rest of his life, all right, story ended. Never mind. Yeah, but if he Mandela survived, so well, sure. Well, but I mean, I mean, not life over, but interesting story arc over. And Mandela's a much better guy. But anyway, yeah, they're not really comparable. Not at all. No. Oh my but, god, if Nelson Mandela had robot legs, who would, be, who would have stopped him? That would be amazing. Anyway. Anyway, alright, but let's say hypothetically, <laughs> like, this case just kind of goes away like there's not enough evidence. Alright. So, but there's no resolution either. So he's just got this dark past 
where a lot of people think he's innocent and sad, and a lot of people think he's a horrible murderer that got away with shit. Okay. He's only 26. So then it's like, what's next? This guy has already had three statistically almost impossible things happen in his life. Yes. So, like, he could be the, like, improbable man. Like, he could have another, like, you know, 80 years of insane shit that he does and has happened to him. Like, and his name is Pistorius. The improbable man. If, if, if over the course, you guys pay attention over the course of the rest of this century, if insane shit keeps happening to him, I called it. Yeah. Okay. Now, you see, they, he's out on bail, apparently. Yeah. And I sort of, like, I don't know what kind of flight risk he is. I imagine... (laughs) Ah, ha, 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 he ain't got no legs, ha, ha. But I I imagine, yeah, he's sort of a a distinctive presence. It's like, oh, yeah, it's the guy with the the flexo murder legs. But, uh... Well, yeah. I mean... The point is, though, that... I kind of want there to be some kind of awesome pursuit where he's, like, jumping over cars and, like, leaping up the sides of buildings and shit. I imagine the legs give him superpowers. I would love to see this in, like, an O.J. Simpson-style chase, but instead of a white Bronco, he's just running on his super legs. And just, like, down whatever South Africa's version of, like, the L.A. freeway is. Okay. You know? No, I just, I want to see him vaulting over cars, and then, like, maybe he picks up a car and swings it at a guy like the Hulk. You know, I, you I, know what has to happen? At some point, he's got to crash through a fruit stand. Several, yeah. ideally. <laughs> and, oh, maybe at one point, like, mid-chase... He vaults up into a tree and rescues a kitten and, like, springs that down, puts it in the arms of a child, and then continues running away. And it's like, well, he did run from the cops, but he saved that kitten. And he ruined, but he ruined all those oranges. There will be more oranges, okay? That kitten was that girl's best friend. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know that those oranges weren't somebody's best friend. Why was he selling them? What kind of a bastard is this person? Maybe, maybe we, we, maybe we did a mercy to those oranges by, by killing them, sparing them a life of orange slavery, okay? You don't know. This is, this is, this situation is far more morally complex when we make it stupid somehow. <laughs> this is what happens in the life of Oscar Pistorius. In like, real life, like I said, it's just sad and weird and bad. But when we make it stupid, suddenly there are layers. And speaking of making things stupid... That's and then the thesis find, of this show. Yeah, and then finding some layers in them. Yeah. Let's, let's roll a topic. That's what happens. <laughs> On Breakfast with the Beak. Fuck yeah. And you can send us a topic and topics. I'll tell you later. Yeah. I'll tell you, you at the end of the show when you'll remember. You know how to do this and we'll tell you anyway. So yeah. Let's, let's make this happen. Oh yeah, what's, what's this week's topic, Jenny? That is an 18. 18. What we got for 18? Wither Canada. Submitted by Nick in Philadelphia. Thanks, Nick. That's Wither Canada? Hey, guys. Question mark? Nick has, uh, his, his album is still out. How I Became Invisible, the, the Planets album. Yes. It's, it's awesome. You guys should go listen to it. Free plug. Go to howibecameinvisible.com. By all means do. I've quite enjoyed several of those songs. Yeah, um, it's, he's got yeah some sweet songs about planets. It's on iTunes. Yeah, I mean, even if you don't like stuff. it, it's still an album about planets. So just in principle, you have to agree with it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, even if you listen to it and you're like, I hate every one of these songs, guess what? It's still an album about the planets. The fact that it exists alone 
warrants a purchase. Absolutely. Yeah. And you probably won't hate it because uh, several of the songs are pretty rocking. Yeah, they, they actually know how to play all the stuff. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's better than our album. <laughs> we didn't know how to play any of that stuff. <laughs> well, the captain did. But well, yeah. But he didn't have a lot of backup. He's one man. <laughs> yes. The um, point is... Wither Canada. Wither Canada. Uh, now, we... Up we, north. Okay, now we, we double-checked this one, okay? Yeah, we did. To make absolutely sure that I had this right, uh-huh. there's really only one thing called that. Right. And that is the first episode of Monty Python's Flying Circus. Yes. Yes. Which I, I, I'm curious to see whether or not this was a trap. Like, if we had just spent the next half hour talking about Canada, yeah. then, like, the next day, Nick would have gotten on Twitter going, ha ha, assholes, yeah. it's a Monty Python thing. Yeah, well. And we're like, why didn't we know that? But the fact that it was that it was arranged with her Canada, yeah. it's like, it's basically daring you to Google it. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, no. I mean, we, we instantly Google everything we get because we need to do research for this stuff. And more importantly, <laughs> I already knew that. Not just stuff we get. I instantly Google everything, because I assume everyone is always trying to trick me. That's fair. Yeah. The point is, I already knew this, because I'm a nerd. Sure. And and we've both seen it. It's a yeah. good show. It's. I mean, for the first episode of a very influential series, mm-hmm. it, it it is just a fucking throwing down of the gauntlet. Oh, it yeah. It is a statement of purpose. By the men of the Flying Circus. <laughs> a, a lot of shows, like when in the you know pilot phase, like they don't quite know where the show is going to go. Yeah, but like Jerry Seinfeld used to have a sassy waitress friend. Yeah, for one episode, exactly. Yeah, and like he and Kramer didn't know each other that well. Yeah, and there was no Elaine, not at all. But Flying Circus, the first episode. Is like, they know their formula right away. All the, like, intricacies and, like, kind of turns of style. It is there in episode one. I mean, to be fair, a lot of that is just because a lot of sketch comedy in general is people who have already collaborated with each other getting a show together. Sure. And so, you know, they, they no doubt found the rhythm and worked out a system for, you know, writing stuff. And they, they had their friend who did the weird psychedelic animation, and they were like, hey, can you link these things together for us? And he was like, sure. Yeah. And then probably took another giant bong hit because, you know, I mean, it's easy to look at anything weird or surreal, and especially anything from 1969, which is when this episode aired. Right. And just say, oh, ha, ha, they were on drugs. Terry Gilliam is the only part of the, the Monty Python universe that I'm, I'm going to come right out and say, yeah, probably. Also, being on drugs in the, like, 60s and early 70s, Yeah, it's not the same thing as being on drugs as now. Yeah, we have stoners yeah. in the year 2013, but generally when someone is on drugs, yeah. they're like meth addicts or crackheads yeah, or it, it, they're exactly. biting faces off with bath salt. Yeah, if a celebrity has a drug problem, it's not like, oh man, that celebrity smokes too much weed. You don't see Dr. Drew having an intervention for Snoop Dogg and then Snoop Dogg kills himself a week later. Yeah, no. Which is what happens to almost everyone Dr. Drew talks to. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but... <laughs> He's not very good. He's a very bad doctor. No, he's terrible. Don't you should stop having him on TV shows. Yeah, everybody. But the point is not about who Doctor Drew has blood of on his hands. 
It's not about that. It's about Monty Python. It's too bad Adam Carolla is immune to Dr. Drew's evil powers. I know, right? Of all the people like the who could one, survive him. The one guy we kind of would be better off without. This show is not about him. This is a show about somebody who's good at comedy. That's true. The, the people of uh, Monty Python. The point is, if you were smoking pot and, like, taking shrooms, acid, whatever, back then, it was it, it didn't mean that was your entire life. It was just another fun thing you could do on Saturday. Yeah, that was what sophisticated Upper West Side people did when they wanted to kind of, you know, explore. Sure. Each other. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> It's not about Mad Men either, okay? It's about... Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just cartoons and enjoying your body hair. What? <laughs> what? That was just the stuff is back, you know... Oh, in the In, in the, the 60s. late 60s, early 70s. Oh. It's not what Mad Men's about. You keep, you keep running us <laughs> off from the show. It's like, I'm like, no, it's not about that. It's about, and I'm, I, I'm expecting you to say, <laughs> this show that we're talking about. <laughs> And you just say some random 60s things. It's like, yep, it's about cartoons and body hair. Yes, sirree. Zap comics and and and, and brown acid. <laughs> Here's some 60s signifiers. Yeehaw. Sid and Marty Croft. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yes, but no, Wither Canada is an excellent episode. Yeah, of- and, and the reason it was called that is because apparently they just had a whole list of things that maybe we can call the show this. I have that. Uh, and they have a whole bunch of them on the Wikipedia page. Ah, excellent. Okay, yeah. So, uh, apparently, when they were... Because the, the, the comedy troupe, Cleese and Eric Idle and everybody, mm-hmm. were already together and planning this. Yeah. And they were pitching the show. They, so, they pitched Wither Canada. The BBC said no. Other titles they pitched that the BBC soundly rejected include The Nose Show. Ow, it's Colin Plint. A horse, a spoon, and a basin. The toad elevating moment. And owl stretching time. Some of those became episode titles. Yeah, but th- those are terrible names for a show. Well, but it's just like, you know, 7.30 on BBC Three. Ow, it's Golden Plint. Owl stretching time. Yeah. Yeah, that's... no, I, I feel like, yeah, maybe nobody would be talking about it the way they do now if it had been called the toad elevating moment. No, that it's just that doesn't really flow. No, it's like you remember when we did that video, like when we were starting this podcast. Yes, and you wanted to call it the poop troop. Well, look, a lot of a lot of things were said about things <laughs> yeah. that should be talked. Yeah, one of them was the poop troop. <laughs> yeah, he said a lot of stuff about chuds. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I did. yeah people think I forget. People think <laughs> I was doing a bit. No, okay, <laughs> I was actually angry from the very beginning. Go on. Yeah, but like. So they they went with Monty Python's Flying Circus, which is a great name that like is if nothing else evocative of all sorts of things that could happen. Yeah, it implies an actual circus, possibly run by a gentleman with a curious name. Right. Now, you remember last month when I said we should show the, call our show Carnival of Swine? Yeah. And and we see we settled on Breakfast with a Beak. I feel like Breakfast with a Beak is like owl stretching time. Like, if they hadn't come up with Monty Python's Flying Circus and they call it Owl Stretching Time, yes. it would have been as bad as our show. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are the Carnival of Swine, and with that said, yeah. we're halfway through this episode. Let's begin talking about Monty Python. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go on. The point that I made ten minutes ago... 
is that this first episode is a throwing the fuck down of the gauntlet about what they are going to be doing on this program. Yes. Like, the first thing we see is the guy thrash his way up out of the ocean and stagger onto the shore to give a one-word introduction for the title sequence. Yes. Yes. Like, and that's just like, hey, British television, hey, squares, (laughs) guess how long the show is going to be sticking with this premise? One second. He's going to say, it's, bam, it's over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's all all the build-up. And uh, that's one of the great things that Pythons do is they they just they do a lot of build up and then they jerk it away. There's no building up to the perfect punchline. It's like here it comes, here it comes. Ha, gotcha. It was comedy that was not afraid to shut the fuck up every now and then. Absolutely. And there were that long pauses, you know, like at the very beginning the guy takes forever getting up onto the shore before he does his one second monologue. Right, right. You know, in one of the animated sequences, there's a long stretch where it's just two people, a photograph of two people sitting there waiting for something to happen. Yeah. It finally does, but they take their sweet damn time. They do. They build up suspense. Yeah. And prior to this, bear in mind, you know, comedy was... Are you familiar with what comedy was like in the 50s and the early 60s? Well, I mean, I've watched... I, I've watched some sitcom. I've watched a lot of sitcoms, right? Like, of that era... You know, your your Dick Van Dyke show and your, yeah. uh, you know, Andy Griffith and your I Love Lucy and so forth. Yeah. And I've watched, you know, like, Jackie Gleason. And, like, I've seen clips of, like, old-ass talk shows, but yeah. sketch back then is a little vague for me. I mean, sketch and stand-up in general were in a dire fucking situation for a very long time. I mean, yes, there was Lenny Bruce. That's all well and good. There was George Carlin, etc. But outside of this very tiny little angry man bubble... And that wasn't on mainstream TV. It really couldn't have been. Carlin did not have a TV show in the 60s. He he had a whole routine about why he couldn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's very famous. But, like, okay, other, like... But, but yeah, for the most part, comedy was just like... Hey, I'm I'm friends with Frank Sinatra. I'm gonna come out here and ruin this telethon. Uh oh, the band leader is acting crazy. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. But this oh, was God a- damn it, it's Jerry Lewis. <laughs> but this was 1969. Where does this line up with shows like uh, Sonny and Cher and Rona Martin's Laughing? Um, it and- lines up way the fuck better than them, so it doesn't matter when those shows happen. <laughs> well, I just mean in terms of what who their contemporaries were. I believe Laughing was a contemporary. Yeah. But, like, that was, you know, insiders consider that one to be actually really hacky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people consider that one to be really hacky. You don't need to be inside of anything for well, that. Well, I haven't seen it, so it this is history. People popping their heads out of doors, and, like, one of them tells the setup, and the other one tells the punchline. Wah, wah. Yeah. It was, it was, you can't do that on television grade comedy, but for grown-ups. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and so if this is what they had to compete with, this was just uh, a bolt of holy fuckery. Well, and SNL had started by then. No, it hadn't. When did SNL start? 75. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, this predates and is better than yeah. SNL. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It absolutely had not started back then. <laughs> no, no uh, but the point is not that. Oh, right, because it started the same year as The Muppet Show. Yeah. Yeah. But... You've got this incredible weirdness just popping up on TV, and they had this whole philosophy of not ending sketches on the punchline, not ending the sketch 
with Jerry Lewis looking at the camera and, you know, oh, you got to hit him with the capper or the topper or the, the, the whatever, you know. Yeah. He's, oh, classical comedy structure. It doesn't matter if it's good. It follows the rules. <laughs> right. Like, it, it, it completely rejected that out of hand. And, and then the last third of the first episode of the show, mind you. Uh-huh. A single ten-minute sketch about a joke that kills people. Yes. Yes. If people, if any of our listeners, I have to assume we have a lot of listeners who are already Monty Python fans. You, they would almost have to be. Yeah. But if, if you're not familiar with that, uh, uh, Robot Chicken kind of rips off that style where they'll do like, I mean, all their sketches are like 10 seconds, but then their yeah. last one is like three minutes. Yeah. You know, it's usually awful. But. Yeah, this is like, okay, well, here's a bunch of little ones, and then fuck it. Here's a big one. This is what the episode is mostly about. This is what you remember. This is where that idea comes from. Yeah. And the, they do a lot of... I mean, the, the way the sketches are linked... Yeah. It's like... You can see it now in, like, all sorts of other things, like on uh, on Archer. Yeah. Whenever, like, people are having a discussion and they stop in the middle and the last thing they say in that, in the next scene... Has carried over? Yeah, feels linked to, like, what they would have said prior to the response you hear in the next scene. Yeah. They do that so much in Monty Python. Yeah, it's always, the scene always ends on, like, you know, here's a list of things. There's this thing, and this thing, and then this third thing, and then that thing becomes a new sketch. Yeah. Yeah. And they have no problem with not explaining shit. Like, there's the yeah, running... again, again, the very first episode of the show, tell them... There's this running gag that is never explained with these pigs. Okay, the studio appears to be infested with pigs, (laughs) and every so often somebody will sit on or fall on a pig, and that will, of course, result in a pig getting marked off on the scoreboard. Yeah, it's enough of a problem that there's already a running tally of killed pigs. But at the same time, the pigs seem to be in competition with us. (laughs) Yes. They're clearly up to something. Yes. And in the end, they win. But at no point does anyone say, oh, we gotta get those pigs, how are we doing with the pigs? It's completely quiet. You hear a squishing pig noise, and then someone crosses a pig off the board, and no one says anything about it. As though this is something occurring, for for real, in the studio where this show is being filmed. Right. And it's just like they're trying to work around a pig infestation slash contest. Yes. <laughs> it's... What is what is happening on this program. And again, like, a lot of it... You see, the thing is, a lot of comedy, especially older comedy, anything older than, you know, a certain date, basically. Yeah. At any given time, it's a floating timeline. Right. You basically just have to, you know, enjoy it for what it is, or think about how mind-blowing it would have been at the time, or sit there with a pile of annotations to explain all the references or whatever. Oh, sure. Like, you know, you go and you watch, like, the Marx Brothers, uh-huh. and it's like... Wow, I'll bet that was really funny when that happened the first time. Yeah. I'll bet this was really funny before everyone in the world had ripped it off and I was born already knowing it. Yeah. 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 They're really sticking it to that Spiro Agnew guy. Ooh, I must work there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but but Monty Python, I feel like, especially e- even this episode, mm-hmm. which I've seen probably ten times. Sure. I still laugh. It's funny. It is it's legitimately funny. It is actually funny. It's yeah. the thing. It, it still works. I mean, and some of it's nostalgia. It's just like, oh, I remember this. Oh, but at the same time, 
Yeah, there's stuff on there, and not just in this episode, but in the series proper. Yeah. That, you know, I really haven't seen much of since then. Right. Even just, like, the there's just, like, little moments, like, even in the ones that are more, like, proper sketches, like, where the guy's teaching Italian, and then there's a room full of Italians, yeah. and then the German guy gets up. I still laugh when that German guy gets up. It's I like, mean, wait, I what? Oh, wait, no, oh, what? Speaking of, yeah, the, the Englishman trying to teach Italian to a classroom full of Italian. stereotypical Italian men. Yes. Yeah. Eric Idle in this episode, uh-huh. over the course of just this one episode, speaks three different languages, okay? Yeah. He's speaking English, but he also at one point speaks Italian and then later speaks German. Yes. Only ever uses the one accent. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he oh, owns it. I mean, oh, yeah. Like, this is me. This is Eric Idle. This is my natural accent. <laughs> it's, it's nasally, even for an Englishman. Yes. And by God, when I'm Italian, I'm not even going to pretend. He really shows what he can do with that accent. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm pretending to be a German, no. I'm not even going to pretend to do the German accent. It's going to be the Eric Idle accent speaking kind of German. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and they, they just constantly... They do a lot of stuff that is sort of surreal that, that almost feels hacky now just because so many people trying to be surreal have kind of tried to copy it over the years. Yeah. Like the, like the first proper sketch uh-huh. is, you know, a show where there is a panel ranking famous historical deaths. Oh, right. Which for absolutely no reason is hosted by Mozart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then just uh, a weird English racetrack guy yeah. talking about the scores. Yeah. And it's like, why why Mozart? No reason. No reason. Just it's that's like, weird. We they... had a wig. That was their reason. Yeah, we had it's... this wig. We're not going to not use it. We we don't have a budget. It's the BBC. They, they don't have money, but they have... A proper room. Yeah, exactly. They they probably went and took that wig yeah. from the from some other BBC production of something far more prestigious. Oh yeah, that has completely lost to history. Yeah, this show where basically the the choice of host for this segment was was based on what wig can we find? Exactly, like, has lived on for forty years now. <laughs> <laughs> like last week, that wig was worn in a miniseries starring Richard Burton. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, what was it? We don't know. Liz and Dick didn't mention it. Who cares? Yeah. But 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 John Cleese playing giant beast Mozart. <laughs> he's a large man. Oh, of course. Yeah, he's, like, he's crazy tall in real life. But anyway. Um, I was surprised to learn I hadn't missed more of Monty Python. I was as well. Right? Because yeah. there's, there's, there's only 45 episodes of Flying Circus. Mm-hmm. Right? Which... Feels like there should be more. Yeah. That's a decent number of episodes. Especially for England. Sure. But they're a half hour long, there's 45 of them, and there's only three movies. Well, there's three movie movies, and then there's a couple that are just, you know, sketches compiled. Yeah. But, I mean, that's like the Twilight Zone movies. Like, they already wrote those sketches and they just shot them again. It's just like, well, who do we get instead of Shatner? I'll bet Lithgow could chew up some scenery. Yeah, put him on that plane. Put a gremlin out there. Gogo's always ready. He's ready at a moment's notice. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what we're calling him now? Uh, That's what Paula Tompkins calls him when he pretends to be him. See, I call him Jogo. <laughs> that works too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't make that up. I understand. Because <laughs> sometimes Paula Tompkins pretends to be John Lithgow. That's good for him. Yeah. Somebody's got to do it. No, he's good at it. 
I mean, I'm amazed more people don't pretend to do that. It's a, it's a distinctive voice. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> you know? And where, where are the Goldblum impersonators? Give it time. I know, I know. Yeah. I want them now. <laughs> Somebody's doing Goldblum. I know. Somebody is doing... I've heard people do Goldblum. It's yeah. a fairly easy, like... Because they do, like, Jurassic Park era Goldblum. Well, yeah. It's not a hard voice. That's why I... No, to, people do it. I just like to hear people do it better, I guess. Like, in, in character, in, like, some kind of play. Well, I'd, I'd like to hear them do it better. Okay. So, there. All right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> The point is that this this program, the, the Monty Python's Flying Circus program, which yeah. is just an un, even more unwieldy way of saying the name of this show, because mm-hmm. I think they would have appreciated making it even more unwieldy. Sure. I mean, they throughout the run of the show, they fucked around with the structure. They'd put the credit to the beginning, or they'd roll them backwards or whatever, you know? And yeah. Just be like, oh, hey, this is something that technically we're allowed to do. Obviously, we have to. <laughs> right. You know what? It, it kind of reminds me of, like, The Muppet Show, in that I don't understand why this wasn't on for 50 years. Like, yeah, there could actually. be, like, 10,000 episodes of this, and it would still be awesome. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, they, these guys aren't puppets, of course. They they do age, but... Yeah, but they're still around. Well, most of them, yeah. 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 They're still making stuff. That's true. Yeah, no, you, you do see them on TV quite frequently. Yeah. <laughs> when does the BBC ever cancel anything? Uh, they, they never do. People just stop making stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, well, we've said all that needs to be said, and you, we're we're done now. And the BBC's not like we're going to force you to keep going because they're not an American network, right? And uh, I think a couple of like really lasting influences, mm-hmm. as we mentioned before, all the sketches are always linked. You know, one ends and it kind of transitions into another next one instead of just cutting to it. Yeah. And ever since then, there have been a lot of not like big big sketch comedy shows. But sketch comedy shows that either have sort of a cult audience or that, you know, did a few things very well and then just sort of disappeared down the pop culture memory hole. The ones that have, like, a lasting cool value. Yeah. 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 Mr. Show, obviously, or The State, you know. They also did the, the links between the sketches. And I feel like those shows didn't necessarily do that just because they felt it was somehow intrinsic to the structure of sketch comedy or that it was organic to their kind of material. Right. So much as it was just to sort of send a message to the audience, don't worry, guys, we like Monty Python more than we like Saturday Night Live. You know, it's like, it's okay. If you think Saturday Night Live isn't good anymore, that's fine. That's fine. You'll be okay with our show. We're like that show you still like. Yeah, there's really two camps of... Maybe there's three camps, but there's at least two camps of sketch, right? There's the SNL style, and then there's the, you know, Flying Circus, Mr. Show style. Yeah. Right? And, like, I don't know where a show like In Living Color or Mad TV, I feel like those are more like SNL. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you the, the other thing, the other sort of lasting impact that I wish this show had had and had lasted a bit more... Uh Uh-huh. Was that the the Python slash Mr. Show style of sketch comedy? Right. Is very, very unconcerned with making itself or its performers look cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, Monty Python, if you were to ask someone who barely knows the show about it, uh-huh. what would they tell you? They'd be like, well, uh, there's a lumberjack who wears a bra. Right. There's a lot of guys who dress up like women and shout at each other. There's a, a grand tradition of partial male nudity of pasty, pasty men. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's not concerned with looking cool. It is concerned with 
the insanity, the ridiculousness, the the silliness, to use their term, yeah. comes first, and everything else is in service of that. And and Mr. Show likewise was even when it was getting really overtly political or doing overt commentary on popular culture or whatever. Sure, it, its first you know duty was to the absurd, to the silly, to the weird. You know, yeah. It was. It never really tried to be sexy. No, you know. And then SNL. I mean, on one hand, yeah, you got a lot of sketches about you know characters who are goofballs and weird, and weird things happen, and nobody looks good. Yeah. But every but... week you've got a celebrity coming on to host it, and some of them are cool. You know, Steve Martin puts on the checkered pants and the checkered hat, and he is a wild and crazy guy. Okay. Sure, but he's also an alum. Well, know? yeah. No, I mean he, <laughs> basically, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and so, you you know, Steve Martin comes on, okay, fine, he'll be a good sport. You know, John Goodman will be a good sport on that show. Right. But, like, if somebody like Beaver is hosting... Which happened very recently. Yeah, you have to do these sketches where it's like, oh, my God, we are in a universe where Justin Bieber matters. And they take place in a universe where you play Justin Bieber, or you play a winking reference to your persona to prove that you're cool with being made fun of, as long as it's in these tightly controlled circumstances. But you know he's got some kind of handler, like, sitting in on the writing meetings that's like, don't make me look like a punk. Yeah, exactly. You, do, you make me look cool. Don't make me be humiliated. Don't make me do anything embarrassing. Bieber will not touch another man. <laughs> yeah, and like, there's... It, it, Flying Circus didn't have celebrity guests. Not really. Or, and like, you know, like, if there were celebrity guests on, on that or, like, the state or anything, if they had the opportunity to have them on screen, they would do everything they could to shit on them, make them look as ridiculous as possible. Yeah, I mean, like, if... For the greater good of laughs. Absolutely. It's like, okay, you are not playing yourself. You are either playing a, a character, complete, yeah. made up, you are here to act kind of character. Mm -hmm. Or it would be, if you want to play yourself, we are going to give you a big speech about why you suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, whenever Mr. Show had a, a guest on, yeah. it was always someone who was dedicated to the comedy. It was always another comic. It was always a friend of Bob and David. Yeah. Yeah. But but on SNL, it's always a promo. Yeah, it's, it's like, always another version of going on Leno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go on there and you, oh, you do some little jokes and haha, ha, it's great. And and then you know the the real right. cast, the real cast, the permanent cast. Yeah, he's all talking about you behind your back about you know the weird homophobic rant you went on in your dressing room. Yeah, most SNL hosts, I'm guessing. <laughs> but in the actual show, they're just kissing ass. Yeah. And then they've got, like, the musical guest where they, they properly grind the show to a halt. And then instead of, you know, shutting the fuck up or doing something a little quieter, it's they have this band come out and play a song. Maybe a song about, you know, like, oh, girl, you broke my heart or whatever. And it's like, and we just have to sit there and take this seriously? I mean, I don't have so much a problem with the musical guest because that's just kind of the variety show feel. Well, it's like, oh, hey, now show. someone now, you know... Pink is going to sing. Okay. If you're going to do a variety show, just bring out some jugglers. Well, bring yeah. out a guy with a fucking trained seal. See, there's not enough Oddville on television, yeah. right? No one remembers Oddville on TV. No. But it was it was this ridiculous, rea or uh, not reality show, this variety show where they just had people do dumb shit. I'm fine with that. Yeah, no, it was jugglers and tumblers and people in costumes and people with pointless talents. Yeah, man, get out there, spin some fucking plates. Yeah, no yeah. one's no one's doing that anymore. Play uh, play some music on on wine glasses. 
Sure. You know? yeah, yeah. Do do weird variety show shit. If you're gonna do it, do it or don't. Okay. Don't bring in fucking fun to sing or whatever it is fun does. <laughs> the experience of hearing them is identical to the experience of not hearing them. So, uh, yeah. Well, except not hearing them, you you can maybe enjoy some silence. No, I mean, like, whenever I've tried listening to them, my first thought is, why don't I have any music on? Yeah. Like, I forget that they're there. Well, that's because fun sounds like uh, like an iPod commercial. I wish they sounded like an iPod commercial. <laughs> At least people can dance in those. Actually, no, I take it back. They sound like a commercial for something. What's something really boring? Like... Siding. Sure. Aluminum siding. Sure, yeah. Like, or, you know, how fun Pepsi Next is, which it's not. Yeah, no, it's not. It's just Pepsi. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's not even good. No. no. I mean, I guess you could fill up some aluminum siding with it, but why would you? <laughs> it's not good for your aluminum siding. I'm sure it's not. Don't do that. No. But the point is that SNL has that whole thing at the beginning of every episode where it's like, oh, hey, wacky saxophone music. Oh, look, I'm in the cast. I'm just out on the street in New York and oh, oh hey, camera. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like trying to look cool is the fucking death of comedy. Yeah. And ironically, despite having, you know, Python towering over them as this titan of comedy, yeah, England has completely forgotten that lesson. Well, in what way? In the the cool is the antithesis of comedy. I mean, what's coming out of England now? We've got like they gave us what Russell Brand. Yeah, there's a guy who who certainly is more concerned with how funny he is than what a naughty monkey he is. That's not fair. Russell Brand isn't on a British show. He's on an American show. Yeah, because they didn't want him either. Yeah, exactly. So that's to BBC's credit. Well, yeah, for not giving Russell Brand a show. Or so like, that argument is null. But, like, you know, you've got, like, just the Ricky Gervais' slow slide to the dark side, you know? Well. Like, yeah, and now he's just, oh, he's always wearing his cool shades and talking about what a, what a wicked little monkey he is. And it's like, no, dude, no. You, why, are the, why are the good ones the ones who always turn so evil? I mean, yeah, Gervais has <laughs> gotten to love himself too much. Yeah, it's like, it, it, it's not even like Anakin Skywalker, because we have movies documenting that he was always a dick. That's true. <laughs> True. That's yeah. true. He was shit from birth. Yeah. Yeah. But like you know, Stephen Merchant, still a super nice guy. You know. Yeah. Totally. And he was with Ricky from the beginning. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I see. I don't see a lot of. I mean, what's a current British comedy? Like, you don't hear about those too much. I mean, to be fair, BBC America mostly <laughs> plays science fiction. Yeah, that's the thing. We we <laughs> only get British comedies uh, after England is already sick of them. Yeah. So for all I know, this trend over in England is dead now, and we just haven't gotten the funny to ca- to catch up over here yet. Actually, no. The other, the kind of comedy we get is always the like super dry comedy, like um, uh, the thing that I don't know what I'm saying. You got me. Yeah. Oh, I know one. This is okay. Um, this is a good example. Is uh, absolutely fabulous. They're yeah. not trying to look sexy. They're clearly mocking. You know, everything that led up to Sex in the City. Yeah, and, and 20 years ago, that was really fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know what they're making now. Exactly. Well, exactly. Like, you know, if you ask someone, oh, hey, what British comedy stuff do you like? You ask an American, it's like, oh, yeah, I like, uh, you know, the, the IT crowd or the Mighty Boosh or any other show from, like, 10 years ago that we just got. 
That's true. You know? I, don't, I don't know much about IT crowd. Mr. Bean, though, anything Rowan Atkinson does, yeah. he's doing the same thing the Pythons are in that he's just going for the laugh and making himself look like an idiot. Yeah, no, yeah. he, I, I mean, like, he doesn't actually get hurt. Right. <laughs> but he wants to make it look like he does. And it's so much fun when he does. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, you know. But even even something like, you know, the, the Mighty Boosh, it's like maybe all the weird little musical in-jokes on that show really are pure comedy in England. But being as, you know, it somehow became very popular here despite being related to a music scene that your average American cannot relate to at all. Sure. It's like, wait, are these funny or are these the characters shoring up their cool credentials so we know who to root for? I honestly don't know because I've never seen that show. Yeah. I have seen every episode of Red Dwarf. Well, there you go. And that show is funny. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but the point is, <laughs> the, the enduring lesson of Monty Python yeah. is don't try to be cool if you're trying to be funny. Get out there and embarrass yourself and get hurt and get angry and get kicked in the balls and, and play the piano naked. And don't don't worry about, you know, being pasty and gross and hairy. Just, you know, yeah. let it all out. Whatever. Yeah. You put on that stupid dress and that stupid hat, and you hit whoever you have to with that purse. You gotta dress up like a clown, dress up like an ape in a tie, you know. If you are, if you find yourself having a conversation with a sock puppet, an asshole sock puppet, that you idiots just love for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Go with it, okay? Because the puppet, he can do what he wants to. He can be cool. Because you know what? He can never truly be cool. He's a puppet. He's a sock puppet. Yeah. You know? If that, like that. Not even a good looking sock. It's not. It's not a great sock. No, it's, it's gray and it's covered in yarn. Well, he needed hair. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the lesson. Yeah. That is the answer to the question, wither Canada, somehow. Yeah. Wither Canada, yes. Okay. Until next week. Hey, send us topics at uh, the email them to topics at thebeak.org, where our website is, thebeak.org. You can tweet us at, at thebeak and at Doc Heisenberg. And if you like us all over the place, breakfastwithbeak.tumba.com, facebook.com slash breakfastwithbeak. And uh, write us a review or something. Yeah, yeah. Go on iTunes and be like, hey, I like these guys, and they're funny, and somebody should pay them to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. We've been joking about that for 101 weeks now. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Nobody has. <laughs> nobody has. <laughs> Until next week. Have a good breakfast, everybody. Where's my money? <laughs> This has been a production of the Beak Podcasting Network. Visit thebeak.org to learn more about this and other quality podcasts. Seriously, guys, so awesome.